0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Love is Everywhere, the podcast, the show where I give comedians assignments of things that are supposed to make you happier, and then we talk about it, and we find out how it went. Today's guest is Carol Zockley. Oh, boy. Uh, anybody, anybody who knows Carol uh, knows that she is just the most fascinating and wonderful person, and I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Uh, Her assignment was, uh, she was assigned a mindfulness meditation, and she hated it. She didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, sometimes people find their assignments really hard, or it just doesn't jive with where they're at at that moment, and that's totally fine. Uh, It was actually kind of great, because I know that specifically with meditation, a lot of people come up against the same kind of thing that she was finding when she was trying to do it. Uh, So it actually led into a pretty good conversation about uh, how to get past that kind of stuff and and what comes up and what's a, what are some common experiences when you're trying to do a meditation and having difficulty taking it seriously. Uh, but man, this was just a fantastic conversation. We talked about anxiety and depression, about um, the American dream. I don't know. We talked about so many things. This one is so jam-packed with goodness. Uh, if you want to follow social media stuff for carol you can find her on twitter at carol zockley and you can find her on instagram at zockley carol and if you want to support this podcast in general you can like rate subscribe uh leave a review i love reading reviews please leave a review um and uh yeah all of that good stuff that people do when uh, they're big fans of podcasts you know do it hire a skywriter whatever you want to do uh is skywriting open in stage three <laughs> it's a very ontario specific joke <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I guess it probably is actually now that I think about it. it's probably just just the pilot up there, so uh <laughs> very good chance that you are able to hire a skywriter at this moment, so why waste that opportunity to have them write? Please listen to the podcast. Love is everywhere in the sky. It's a little wordy for a skywriting thing, but I think they'll do it um. <laughs> If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at at Hamiltrace. And in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with Carol Zoccoli. Carol, thank you for being here.
1: Oh, my God. No, thank you for having me. Oh, shit. Microphone. I bought <laughs> this microphone. Look at this, but I don't know. Like sometimes it just like it just falls apart.
0: <laughs> no problem. We're we're no strangers to technical difficulties, so don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. Right. Now so everything is like this. Like everything is technical. Like we gotta just like so many like setups for starting
0: anything. Mm-hmm. And you gotta like get familiar with all of this technology that you're
1: not qualified for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You don't even understand this. Sometimes we don't even have any interest in, in the thing. Hmm, like I have no
0: interest in learning about microphones, <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes we have to do these.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to edit. Oh yeah? Taking like, you know, like, online courses and stuff, yeah.
2: That's
1: good. Uh,
2: mean
1: like, no, go ahead. No, I mean, like, uh, comedians now, we, we, we're we going to do things on the internet. It's impossible to make money, like, online, uh, like, live, with live shows anymore.
0: It's true. You have to be, like, just in comedy in general, even before all of this, like, mm-hmm. you have to be skilled in all of these areas that aren't yeah. necessarily what you're interested in. Yeah. But to yeah. make a career, you kind of have to compile this sort of, like, mosaic of... Comedy and comedy adjacent skills, and a lot of those are things like learning how to edit videos, learning how to edit audio, learning about microphones, and lights, and cameras, and all of those. Filming
1: and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, I was very like for the first month. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you want to start. Have we you started? Okay. Oh yeah, we're we're live, baby. Okay. Oh. good i didn't know um the first i think like the first month the first month and a half of the the pandemic i thought that comedy would not exist anymore
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i was like i don't know uh, what what i'm gonna do now you know i was starting like uh researching for like how to go off the grid how to, and then I I saw this documentary about like the, the danger of the blackout, the complete blackout, blah, blah, blah. That was like, just how to go off the grid, how to plant your own food, you know?
0: (laughs) I could totally, I could totally see you living off the grid and (laughs) living this spectacular life out in the wilderness.
1: Um, My dad lived like this, right? Mm -hmm. So for, for a part of his life. A part of his life so I visited him in places where there were no running water or electricity or anything oh wow so I do know that is possible I don't have the the experience though because mm. I didn't live with my dad when he lived like this but um it is possible I mean yeah
0: <laughs> well I'm glad that you are still on the grid so that we can have this chat today <laughs> yes yes I don't know for how long. But
1: let's see. I <laughs> have to do all of the podcasts. Like, yeah.
0: this might be our last chance to get Carol on. <laughs>
1: so, we so, start
0: with an honest. How are you? So, how are you for real today? For re-
1: today, I'm I'm fine today. Like, I've I've been ups and downs. I think like everyone else, and I had to put my cat down last Thursday.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: So I was the 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 week the two weeks before like he was very bad and it's very difficult to have like it is like you have like someone dying in your house you know then we have two other cats so there there was all of those things um, I, I think I suffered a lot before before but then I, I think he was so bad that I was it was a relief for him like to to go. Um, so that was harsh. And I, 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 my husband and I were here at home and we were like sad, mm-hmm. uh, but, but now I'm okay. I think like th- during the weekend, I started uh, picking up and I started to get excited about work. I'm writing, like I'm, I'm doing like a lot of uh, videos. I want to do a little uh, news kind of show with jokes uh, that I want to talk about. Like, cause I, I cause I thought I, I, I've been thinking about a lot because we've been, consuming the news a lot right especially yeah yeah a lot a lot because we are in our houses just like watching the the world Mm -hmm. on fire (laughs) and i think like it's very different for uh, an immigrant to read the news from like someone who's not an like it's, it's a different point of like it's different and then i thought about like why don't I do like a, like a news kind of comedy news show, but from the point of view of an immigrant, like how do I see the news? Oh, I love Isn't that. It? Yeah. So I've been writing. I I, I like I taped the pilot just just because I'm doing everything right, editing, filming, everything. So I have to like tape it just to see how what is shit, what is not, what do I have, what yeah. is the light is good, should I do differently, you know? So I've been doing all of that.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: I can't wait to see it when it's available to see. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a fest. I'm, I, I'm doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love the. Yeah, it's nice to have something to pour yourself into right now. And something yeah. new to be excited about is so valuable as well. Like the novelty of it, of like the satisfaction when like you get something right in an area that's new to you. It just feels so good. Such a, yeah, such a sense of accomplishment.
1: Yeah. And it is weird because I've never, like, I've never talked to the internet like this. Like, I was a, li- I was a, co- a comic that worked, live comedy was my, my bread yeah. and butter, right? I did stuff on TV, like I did stand up on TV, I did some, you know, like guest spots, kind of stuff. Um, but- Even then, like, you're doing, if you're doing stand up
0: on television, the moment where you're performing, you're still with a live audience.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you think when you when you create, you think of a live audience watching you. So now, like, I'm thinking about like a, a person in the internet watching me. It's mm-hmm. it's totally different. And at the beginning, i was like, "Fuck! I don't want to. I'm giving up. Off the grid. I yeah. want to go off the grid. <laughs> learn, learn how to plant beets <laughs> and cabins. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I. Yeah, at the beginning, was it's, it's very frustrating. And I, I'm a little bit, like, I'm a, I, I think I'm a perfectionist in rehab, you mm. know? Yeah. So, like, because I can't do it perfectly yet, like, I, I'm beginning to edit and stuff. So, yes. things are... You're new at this. It's not no, going to be
0: perfect right away.
1: No. And especially, like, with the the speed of the internet stuff, too, like, you don't, like, you're not releasing a video once every three months you know it's once a week once a day maybe yeah because you're dealing
0: with topical material and the news yeah. cycle changes so quickly especially right now where like it feels like we're living in a different world from day to day
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah I did it today I, I finished editing I, uh, there was this um, news it's so, so funny though there, like a study like scientists saying that like tall people, people who are over six foot ten. and it's more dangerous for them to catch coronavirus than for short people. Really? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they have all this stuff. like I don't even care. But then I did like this whole video, but I did it in Portuguese. And like because I'm so short, for four eleven. Mm-hmm. I made a yeah,
3: whole
1: video. <laughs> <laughs> I made this whole video about like uh about this you know, about this great. topic. <laughs> Should we get into your assignment? Oh my God. I'm going to be, uh, I failed. I failed. That's okay. <laughs> so
0: the assignment that I gave you was uh, to do this meditation. It's a guided meditation. It's about 15 minutes long and it's called a mountain meditation. So for the listeners, uh, this meditation comes from John Kabat-Zinn, who is a, an American professor and author. Uh, he wrote a fantastic book um, called Full Catastrophe Living, which is all about mindfulness. So that's like his field of expertise is mindfulness and the use of mindfulness meditation. Um, I did uh, a course in meditation for health, which is like um, meditation practice for people with chronic illness and using meditation practice to help manage their emotional states and with you know, different things around the illness, like gain new coping skills through mindfulness. Uh, And the whole program was structured based on that book, Full Catastrophe Living. Um, So this mountain meditation was basically like, um, although I'm sure every single listener is going to go and look it up immediately and do it. Um, (laughs) it's It's basically that you picture a beautiful mountain in front of you and you kind of go through in detail what this mountain looks like, Um, and like the different properties of this mountain. And then you sort of uh, try to picture yourself as being the mountain. So it's all based around like the mountain doesn't judge itself. The mountain doesn't care if other people think it's beautiful. Um, The mountain isn't bothered by changes in weather. The mountain remains and is just as strong as it was no matter what the circumstances are. So how did you find it you said you failed what does that mean let's talk about it.
1: <laughs> well I, I told you that i i my cat died last mm. last thursday so i tried to do the first day i tried to do was uh friday uh and i started i did i think i did like about six minutes and it annoyed me i think my my mind was all over the place and it was very hard to focus uh when we need the most right yeah we need the most it's like it's difficult um and I was just, I was just feeling annoyed, like, by, like, like having to, like, picture this mountain, and, like, I know. Uh, and then, um, Saturday, the same thing. Saturday, I think I got to two minutes and a half, and I gave up. Mm. And then, yesterday, I tried again, and I sli- <laughs> slept. <laughs> so, I failed. <laughs> Did you say you
0: slept? You fell asleep?
1: Yeah. I just... <sighs> yeah
0: it's funny that you say that because in that meditation class I fell asleep many many times really yeah and the 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 instructor of that course said like a lot of people fall asleep Mm -hmm. doing these mindfulness meditations but the weird thing is that people who go through the course and even people who fall asleep every single class still get something out of it Mm -hmm. when they leave so even if you do this meditation and you fall asleep it's still beneficial
1: (laughs) yeah Yes. I think uh, meditations are, are always good, right? I used to do, uh, uh like, I used to do, like, I don't know the names, though. So I don't know the names. I don't know if they say mindful, mindfulness meditation, where, where it's just, like, it's not in a specific focus, but just, like, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I also think that my mind, I I had, a, I did a, um is this, like, therapy? where we had this like mentalization kind of exercises. And I think my mind judges it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're a mountain. No, no, you're you're not, get it out.
2: I think
0: that's very natural for our brains to kind of turn on this like judging sarcastic sort of viewpoint on a lot of this stuff. It's very easy for that to happen. And like, part of it is also Finding a meditation that's the right fit for you, like if you're going with something like a guided meditation and you have a tendency to have that voice kind of spark up um, you're gonna be extra sensitive to things like uh the voice of the person who's narrating it, like do you like their voice or do you find them annoying, or can you not take them seriously? Mm-hmm. Um, and the content of it like maybe if it gets a little too. Woo woo, you know, like a little, a little too out there, a little too new agey. Then maybe that judging part of your brain is going to turn on again and be extra active.
2: Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't think you're alone in that.
1: Yeah, I, I took you know last year I took a, a class on intuition mm-hmm. if this woman. She's American. She's an alpha, an alpha. Like it's just she uh, studies intuition, intuition, vibration, those kinds of stuff. And it was very interesting. And we had a lot of like we had to imagine a lot of things, uh, and it is it is weird because we we l- adults often like we, we lost this daydreaming
2: mm-hmm.
1: exercise. I can I remember when I was a child or even like a like a like a pre teenager, I was just, I was just sit and imagine and the entire day. That's what I would do. Yep.
0: You can just sit and daydream and your yeah. your mind is like its own playground. You don't need anything else yeah. outside of you. Like you can entertain yourself so easily.
1: Yeah. I remember uh, that, like uh, I had this guava tree and I would go up like when I was like eight, nine, I would go up the tree and I would stay there the entire day, the entire day. I still remember like the, the reams of the, the tree, like how that's how long I would spend my time there like I don't know this, this phrase was weird but I would spend a lot of time there that's what I want to say <laughs> yeah I Just
0: think it's been an interesting thing with like quarantine and isolation instead of having all of this extra time and mm-hmm. all of this extra boredom Been really interesting for that. Of like, it's really been making me reflect a lot on how much it's like childhood. Where, like, when you're a kid, like, you don't have appointments, like, you don't have places to be, you don't have a job. Like, particularly a kid on summer vacation, it's like you don't have any structure to your week, you know? Like, you've got nothing to do, you're just hanging out. So, you're if you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna like stare out into space (laughs) for a few minutes, or like, I'm just gonna sit in a tree for a couple of hours, like that's just how your whole life is. And then yeah. now in adulthood like we feel so restless when we have like just a couple of minutes of unstructured time. We're like, well, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to like fill the fill the time. Get stimulation from the outside. For me it's been yeah. nice to have some downtime to just be
1: like I'm just going to stare at my dog for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that I don't know. For me, I think about a month ago, month a month and a half ago, when things started opening up mm-hmm. a little more, and and things started like getting you know, more busy. Um, I was very. Uh, I think was the hardest time for me. Yeah, I just felt like an instant, like, ugh, you know, it's kind of feeling like we're, like about like things coming back to the way they they were. And now, to be honest, like, I'm super busy. I'm super, I, I think I'm busier than ever because, of course, now I have to learn a new skill. I have to, mm-hmm. not, you know. Uh, I'm doing a show tonight in the patio, though. That's fun. Um, and actually, like, I, I, don't, I don't have much time. And, and I don't have, like, my mind, because I'm not going out, like, my mind, I also don't see other places, don't wander. Mm-hmm. So I think now it sucks more than ever
2: oh yeah
1: (laughs) because if
0: you're like yeah when you don't have a lot of exposure to like the outside world and you're doing different
1: things yeah i'm just at
0: home working your imagination
1: (laughs) and just breathe and see people and talk and you know like just leave and just be yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so you said uh so the categories
0: that you picked uh that prompted me to give you this assignment were being present and anxiety and you said that those were already things (laughs) that you were trying to work on. So tell me a bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, uh, this whole quarantine stuff made me, because I I dealt with depression Mm -hmm. for most of my life, but I never thought how much of anxiety had a role in this. And I think during the the quarantine now, uh, I had a lot of, situations where I would feel that feeling coming Mm -hmm. and understand and and, and now understanding what what this is. Yeah, what
0: it's rooted in.
1: Yeah. And then I was like, no, then maybe anxiety was the root of my depression, you know what I mean? And everything and in so I've been observing, like observing like observing my my mood a lot. That's like when I'm doing stuff. Yeah, because you know out of the situation, like it, it's anxiety for everybody's anxious, I think. But just realizing, like, how much anxiety is like built has built my 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 personality.
0: Yeah, how much it's been driving the car this whole exactly,
1: time. Mm-hmm. exactly. I definitely
0: understand what you're saying about like realizing that anxiety is probably where the depression is growing from like uh, I can definitely relate to that because I also suffer from depression and yeah what like it was for years and years and years before I started kind of figuring out like oh I think it might be a reaction to my anxiety and that that's Mm -hmm. actually happening that like you feel anxious you feel overwhelmed by everything you feel, like, just this incredible weight of all of this anxiety and nervousness, and so you hide and shut down, which is the depression part of it. I know that mm-hmm. that's what it looks like for me. It's, like, I get a very anxious mind, and I'm, like, overwhelmed with anxiety, so I'm just, like, I'm just gonna, like, pull the covers up over my head and just hide from the world for a minute to try and deal with the anxiety. Almost exactly. like it's a... Some kind of coping mechanism.
1: Exactly. Definitely. And I had a, a therapist once that told me that we don't learn, like, we don't learn the words, like only the words from our parents. We learn emotional states. Yep. So this, like, like our parents has everything to do with our emotional state, like, because we, we learn and they so close, right? Uh, and observing my mom, like, my mom is super, super anxious, like, she has no patience for nothing, like, like, very, like, very, very much anxious, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I I can, I can understand, like, you know, the, the, everything.
0: My, I also have a, a very anxious mother, and I think that I also absorbed a, a yeah. lot
1: of that from her. Yeah yeah that's it that that's the thing about like people we don't have a in the world i think the entire world is like that we, like, we don't have a, 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 a like school for emotional growing no not at all so we're a bunch of adults with their like uh are not emotional developed and so everything is fucked up because of this i think you know mm-hmm.
0: I think like it's one of those things where, uh, it's something that we're supposed to get as we're growing up uh, from our parents and also from school. Like it's a real focus, uh, in kindergarten, for example, like in kindergarten, there's not a whole lot of like schoolwork academia that needs to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. It's like little things, you know, like maybe you start learning things like the alphabet and motor skills and stuff like that. But most of what you're learning in kindergarten is socialization stuff. So Mm -hmm. like share how to be kind to other people. And then once you move past kindergarten, they kind of drop that and they're like, okay, check. Let's move on. (laughs) Exactly. You stop getting that kind of education when we're like five. Um, And then it's just sort of up to us to try and figure out the world and how to manage our, emotions and our mental health uh,
3: yeah. our own,
0: with like very little example and very little guidance.
1: Yeah. And, and especially for men, I think that's even harder Absolutely. because they can't like, they can they, they are even like, especially this kind of emotion where you open up or when you're vulnerable, like it's, it's even worse for them. Yeah. I think what ends up happening a
0: lot is, uh, these kind of like uncomfortable emotions, like, like anxiety, um, sadness, uh, those get channeled instead into anger a lot of the time Mm -hmm. because anger seems like a more powerful Mm -hmm. stance to come from. Mm -hmm. If you're the person who's angry, and you're the person who's yelling, you know? Then mm-hmm. that seems like more of a power position than being the person who's like I'm really scared. I'm mm-hmm. really afraid. I'm really sad. That feels uh like you're opening yourself up for something bad to happen in response for you sharing that mm-hmm. thing for men, I think. And it's a really sad thing cuz it's Yeah, it I think feels so I think good. that to just <laughs> to just yeah. let yourself feel your feelings as yeah
1: they- but but i think women women uh repress mm-hmm. feelings too because yeah. there's a lot of feelings that women are not allowed to feel like mm-hmm. anger is one of like anger yeah, sort of the opposite like yeah
0: women aren't allowed to be angry
1: yeah mm-hmm. so and and this i mean it's, it's, there's a bunch of then there's a world it's a bunch of adults that have no idea what is an emotion what is what what they're doing what what is their bodies even you know Mm -hmm.
0: I think yeah we're often like really focused outside of our body on like what Mm -hmm. am I doing what am I accomplishing like who am I in this hierarchy in my job or in my social group uh, that we don't take a lot of time to just sort of sit and check in with ourselves and be like oh, what does my heart feel right now? Like, like, what am I feeling? Sometimes we'll be able to clock that like, oh, I feel a little off somehow. But a lot of people won't even, because maybe they haven't practiced, like know how to trace that back to the root and figure out what feeling am I feeling right now? I know I'm feeling something, but I don't know what it is. And I think uh, we socialize men to just express things as as anger. And then we socialize women not to express anger probably because it is that power stance kind of thing and it's like oh you're a woman you should not be taking this power stance emotion uh you (laughs) you should express it in a different way with tears you know
1: yeah yeah and maybe maybe also because usually women are like smaller than men so they they would not be able to i don't know to fight (laughs) Except it, for it it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but but for me it was different like for me i had i had both i think i had both mm-hmm. like so i had this really aggressive teenage years and you know but then after when i was about i think it was, it was 25 when my dad died uh and then i i went to the opposite i was really afraid i was really sad i was really i didn't i didn't even like wanted to fight anymore. You know, like I was just like mm-hmm. free, you know, it was weird. Where do you think was... you
0: are with that now?
1: On that, like but now, now I think I've I think I've grown out of it. Uh I think I did. It it lasted for too long. Mm-hmm. This depression uh for after my dad died. Because mm-hmm. my dad was uh, murdered so it was very traumatic, you know? Yeah. And uh but now I feel like like one thing that I I learned that has helped me a lot is that I think before I would feel something or have a memory about something, and I would uh, avoid it if it was like a, a hurtful some, something that hurts. I would avoid it. I would try to do work. I would try to drink. I would I try to do something, right? And then. Um, I, I, at some point, I, I, I started, like, realizing that it is the fear, the fear to, to look into it is just the fear.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, if you just breathe and go inside of it, you go past it, and then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think this, the fear, the fear of the fear, I think is is what is the worst. Absolutely right yeah. so now and it's this, very
0: astute actually that's yeah a really really good point.
1: yeah and in this uh pandemic also has helped me a lot with that because uh, we're talking about anxiety right mm-hmm. so i would had i had i had to think of uh, two or three anxiety attacks mm-hmm. i think even like breathing you know and i was just like wait and then just wait and not not being in my head like, oh, I had to get, you know, get off this, I, this is bad or nothing. Just like, yeah, I'm anxious. That's what it is now. And that's what it's going to be. That's mindfulness practice.
0: Yeah. You, you just described right there, that's a mindfulness practice of just uh, yeah. like writing it out without judgment and without mm-hmm. trying to change it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just being like, I am feeling anxiety. This Mm -hmm. is what it's like to experience anxiety. Mm -hmm. Just letting it play out on its own. And I think that's the healthiest approach because when you try to shut it down, when you're like, oh, I'm feeling this stuff. Okay, push it, push it down, push it down.
2: Mm -hmm. It doesn't go
0: anywhere, right? (laughs) No. And in fact, like if you think about like that visual representation of it, of like push it down, push it down, all you're really doing is compacting it and making it more concentrated, right? And makes more more room to pile more concentrated anxiety on top of it. And then it just builds up and builds up and doesn't have anywhere to go. You have to let your feelings complete their cycle. You have Mm -hmm. to ride out the emotion and it'll end. I think the fear that you were describing is we're afraid if we open up this emotion or if we open up this memory, that it's gonna consume us and we'll never recover that Mm -hmm. like maybe we don't think that on an intellectual level but what our real fear is is that like yeah we're just going to be completely overwhelmed by whatever we're going to find inside of this box once we open it up um but really that's the only way to get rid of the box is to to open it up and look inside
1: i would really feel that i would die Mm -hmm. it'll kill me i can't like i I literally can't like i have to you know Mm -hmm. And it was weird, like, the first, the first couple of times that I, I tried to do that, it was it's, it was so funny because this anxiety wanted results. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So, so, okay, it's a half an hour that you've been breathing. What about now? It's over. You're never going to feel this again, you know? And that's, that's another level that you have to do with too yeah like just to hear it in your mind and just literally let it go right
2: mm-hmm.
1: I w- I've been doing um this kind of
0: therapy with my therapist called EMDR are you familiar have you heard of this
1: no EMDR
0: EMDR so um it's like a trauma therapy where you it's it's gonna sound terrifying but <laughs> you <laughs> so <laughs> you focus in on a traumatic memory and like really visualize it and try to like really be in and experience that memory Um, and then you do different exercises through this process like during what you're picturing and then like you'll picture it put it aside and then do these different exercises and then you go back into the memory and picture it all again and relive it again. And then you do more exercises. And basically you just keep reliving and repicturing this traumatic memory over and over and over again with these different exercises in between. And it it sort of desensitizes you to the pain of the memory. Wow. So it's like, it's a really common and effective treatment in PTSD Mm -hmm. because it's like basically making it so that uh you're going to be less triggered by your environment because you're working on being less triggered by even the memory of the thing itself
1: but it's like re-signifying. yes trying to
0: rework where it fits in in your brain chemistry that you're trying to like rearrange some wires so that your brain can kind of heal whatever piece is holding on to the pain of a memory.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's this guy. Uh, I don't know if you know him uh, called Andrew Solomon. I don't know. He's a, I think he's a journalist. I'm not sure, but he's a writer. Like he he talks about depression a lot. He writes. He has a book called the the Atlas the Atlas of Depression. He's amazing. He has a um, TED Talk. TED Talk or yeah, maybe maybe a TED Talk where he, he studied depression in, in different uh, countries different cultures and everywhere right and he was uh, describing an experience in, in Africa in Zimbabwe that so this person was uh, depressed and the way they they deal with it when someone is depressed is that they uh, they involve the whole the whole tribe so there's this guy so it's it's kind of like a ritual where this guy will be like in the middle of a a circle and they would do they would do a bunch of like ritual stuff and then that's it and then uh he was talking about how how people were treated for depression in the u.s and and the africans were like this is insane like we don't we don't want that we don't want that here at all because Uh, depression you can't cure depression by yourself Mm -hmm. because it is a sickness of you being by yourself so it is the group that has to to cure Mm -hmm. you know That's beautiful yeah and and, and it makes total sense and that's this other guy I I read a lot about this stuff so there's this guy called Johan Harry he also uh, writes about depression and he says like how sometimes economic uh, situation, financial situations, and like even the construction, the way the, build, the buildings are built and stuff. Uh, so like everything in society causes depression in people, mm-hmm. but we blame ourselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, but no, like sometimes the person just need a better job
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they're not gonna to be depressed to go. anymore. Or more connection to other people. Exactly, exactly. That's so it is, yeah, it is, and, and there's a lot of people that talk about like the, the, for depression, to cure cure depression is good, Uh, is to do like voluntary work, take care of a neighbor, take care of someone, you know, because then you stop think, thinking about yourself all the time. It's a huge thing, Um, any
0: act of being of service to others, is gonna automatically have a humongous impact on your own happiness and your Mm -hmm. own well-being. For one thing, because it connects you with other people, so it makes you feel more integrated into a community because Mm -hmm. you get more of a hands-on experience with, yes, we are all connected and we are all in this together. And when you're doing something like volunteer work, or even just like being of service to people in whatever capacity, even if it's just like, I make a point of being really nice to my server at the restaurants. I make a point Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, every once in a while, buying somebody else's coffee, uh, whatever it is, it, it makes you feel valuable as well. Like it gives you a sense of worth. Because Mm -hmm. you see that you contribute and that's most evident when you're touching the lives of other people.
1: Yeah, and uh, all the all the culture, all the society, like we are, we we have been pushed to this narcissistic way of thinking, right? You see, like how many narcissists do you know? Like this was not normal. Like when I was when I was thirteen, I didn't see so many narcissists. I didn't have, you
3: know,
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. And I think that we've been now like trained to think individually, individually, because I think it's like divide and conquer, you know, divide and conquer, because that's not the the truth of our reality. Like we are not individuals in that sense. We cannot live by ourselves. So, right. It's true. I think that there's a real attitude of like,
0: we're all on our own and it's every man for himself and Mm -hmm. it's up to you to make like everything in your life fine. I think it's particularly like, um, that we as Canadians have absorbed a lot of that attitude from America. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I could go into, like, a whole deep dive thing on
1: this, but... Yeah, because you are American, right? Because I am.
0: I was born in America, and I was raised here, so... And, like, I have family that's American and family that's Canadian. And I think it comes down to this, uh, like, the American dream, the idea of the American Mm -hmm. dream. So the, like, idea of anybody can make it in America. It's the land of opportunity. Anybody can make it here. You just have to work really hard and pull up your bootstraps and that's a beautiful message and like a, a beautiful idea but i think what's happened over time and particularly because uh, it's a capitalist society so money is is king is that what it's turned into is if you're struggling it's your fault yeah everybody like anybody can be fine and make it here as long as they work hard. So if you aren't making it, then you aren't working hard enough. Yeah. So there's less of an impulse to take care of each other because no, you're supposed to take care of you and I'm supposed to take care of me. And if you aren't doing well, that's not my problem. And the, the reality is like, we are a community and we need each other and it's so much more complex And so much more nuanced
1: than that. It's not. Yeah. It is a lot of, a lot, there, there are a lot of lies because, oh, if you, if you work hard, you're going to make it. That's not true. That's, that's not true. And and I see a lot of celebrities and a lot of people repeating that. People buy into this bullshit. I remember, uh, the last, I think it was the Grammys that Billie Eilish won and her brother said, uh. Oh, we last last year we were in, in our bedrooms doing our music. So for all the young people who are in the bedrooms right now, you can have you can win a Grammy next year, you know? Yes. And then I saw, and then it was like, I saw that, I was like, ugh. And then in and, and the internet I, I saw like a, this video of a guy, he's like a like a like a sound technician, something, mm-hmm. and he was explaining this phrase and the guy was not dissing or anything he was just explaining and just like they like goody Eilish and her brother like she for you to have an idea she had signed with Chanel for her clothes two years previously her album mm-hmm. you know so there's a lot of stuff like she has an agent she had an, she had her parents and it, yeah. like, it's a lots whole of connections and lots a of, lot of connections lot, to of course, get into it, that world Yeah. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm sure it's super hard to do what they're
0: doing. Absolutely, and it's not putting that down. And like, she's super talented. Super talented. We're not discounting that she earned what she's gotten. It's more just a realizing of like we aren't all on the same equal level, like in terms of what opportunities are going to be available to us. I think that's especially important for people to really absorb right now culturally. Is realizing yeah. that not everyone is afforded the same opportunities, and it it drastically impacts your ability
1: to have. It is just success. yeah, it's, it's just not true because how many people have I seen, like even in the Toronto standup community, mm-hmm. like people with money, people that are like white, look mm-hmm. good looking, and not, do not make it. Yeah. so it's not. I just think like this is not. It's just a wrong way of doing, it. and and it's just a way that I don't know to sell this idea that is very irresponsible, selling this idea to people because it makes you look better. Mm-hmm. You know, makes you know that the, the this story of uh, rags to riches. Yes. Like we see, every billionaire has a rags to riches story. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every single one of them has a story like that. I can't, it, it's bullshit. So, yeah, so there's this, like, it's all on you. If you don't make it, it's all on you. If you're sad, it's all on you. If you're, no, I am a social being and society is shit now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I am a, a symptom. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. And that's, I think, like, a, the, the hardest thing. It is to, for us to find our pride. Yeah. You know, especially if you are uh, from some minority or something. It, that That's for everyone. If you're from, if you're, like, a, a minority is even more difficult. But we have to find our pride. And and, and have to find a way to... Affirm—is this a word? Yes, right. <laughs> affirm ourselves in the world in a way that will make it will make us comfortable and not not feel so humiliated. Because it, it can feel like, especially when you're poor, when you have no money. Oh my God! If you're humiliated, you're you you are humiliated all the time. Yeah, it's such, it's such a hard. such a feeling of shame. Yeah, and it, it it like for years in my life, I didn't know that I have the I had the right to feel pride. Mm-hmm. Look at this pride, and then you say like the the parade, the LGBTQ. The, it's called pride for a reason, because you know sometimes you don't you don't have the right to feel that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's also about like uh, I think that maybe
0: the way that we would start to try and change that is by allowing other people to feel pride that yes. what, like, uh, a perfect example would be, like, you sit down uh, with a, a bunch of friends, and uh, you say, oh, I look really beautiful today. I look really beautiful. I, like, I feel great today. Look at how cute my outfit is, like, whatever it is. You give yourself some kind of a compliment. That would be very strange to the people sitting with you. And they would kind of be in their heads like, like, oh, who does she think she is? Or like some kind of weird, like, oh, she's on some kind of ego trip. That's so strange. But if you were to sit down with a bunch of friends and and be like, oh, I feel so ugly today, blah, blah, blah. They're all going to be like, oh, like, that's fine. It's totally Mm -hmm. acceptable socially to put yourself down. And it's really not socially acceptable to pump yourself up. And we don't accept it in other people. So if we start allowing other people to like, yes,
1: you feel beautiful. That's awesome.
0: Like, like say more things like that and like not force people to feel like if they want to belong, they have to hate themselves.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's a, there's a, I don't know. There's also like a danger in that because also Donald Trump is someone who boosts himself all the time. Like, I don't want to support his right. You know? <laughs> I I do think that
0: that is a little more uh resulting from some other issues. I think that he probably has quite a collection of uh different personality disorders and that True. it's a coping mechanism. I really very highly doubt that he actually thinks he's amazing. <laughs> I what do you think the Yeah, I think, like, um, either he is, uh, like, he's, but most likely, like, a clinically a narcissist. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, is not representative of what it would just be to be, like, a a proud person. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah i
1: understand
0: <laughs> I it's like, no this is a little more like a, a caricature of
1: <laughs> of what As, it is a, it is a, it's a power movement
0: i think mm-hmm. and i think like like you're, a, a pr-, an actually prideful person in like who's feels pride in a healthy way um wouldn't need for their name to be on everything and for everything to be gold like i don't think they'd need that you need less when you feel good about yourself. You need less validation from the outside when mm-hmm. you're being really good to yourself inside. So mm-hmm. I think the amount that he needs validation from the outside maybe is kind of telling of how he feels internally.
1: Well, definitely. I think he doesn't feel good at all, but I mean, it is, it is super weird like how people can get away with bullying, just bullying others.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it is it is also telling like how many people let themselves to be bullied so many
0: and how many people bully themselves like at least in my adulthood like i'm so much meaner to myself than anybody else is to me oh
1: that's definitely definitely yeah
0: nobody talks as much shit to my face as i talk to my face about myself
1: (laughs) no that's insane like that voice it you don't even know where it comes from it's it is especially doing comedy and doing any thing that exposes you like that like you've gotta be like super watch we are, we're gonna watch this and this voice and not listen to it right because it drags you right down like it is
0: yeah and i think that a lot of the time we see it as a kind of like oh, this is how I motivate myself, is by yelling at myself. This is how I make myself do better, by telling myself that I'm not good enough. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm not beautiful because I need to exercise more. Like, so I put myself down to motivate myself to exercise. Or like, oh, I, I don't work hard enough. I'm telling myself I don't work hard enough. That'll make me work harder. When really being kind and gentle with yourself is a far better motivator.
1: Yeah, because when you're too, like, you can, you can take that for a while, but not forever. No. Like, being hard on yourself, and I know that from experience, but if you're, if you're kinder to yourself, I think, like, you have more resilience. Yes. Because you can do, you just can stay longer. <laughs> Absolutely. Even,
0: like, um, in, like, the studies that they've done of different management styles and what's most effective, like, when you're the boss. <laughs> What's the most effective way to lead this group of people? They've done a bunch of studies about like um, punishment and reward
2: Mm -hmm.
0: in terms of management style. So like, uh, is it more effective to give praise or to give criticism? Mm -hmm. And praise is way more effective. People work harder. Their work is more accurate, like Mm -hmm. a humongous difference. Um, The like management style of being extremely critical and punishing people for doing things bad that does not work it makes people worse at their job uh their work is less accurate Uh, the quality of everything goes down so you have to think of it too of like okay if you're if you see yourself as being in charge of managing yourself and your own Mm -hmm. life you're gonna be a better manager if you're praising instead of criticizing
1: yeah yeah but how many of us uh learned to do that like <laughs> <And> <laughs> then- <laughs> jesus it's uh it's hard it is hard sometimes sometimes i think like doing this uh like all of my years in like therapy and and dealing with all of this um I think one of the hardest things is like to just be happy like just like yeah I I can be happy right now and and I literally can even if the world just you know everything is fucked yeah and and like but also I think for a while I thought that I should be only happy. Like I had to be happy all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I wasn't okay. happy, that's not how it works. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm wrong. I'm, and I, I used to beat myself up a lot because of that. And now I see, no, it's impossible to be happy all the time because I'm a human being who is experiencing life. Yeah, and, and was, life has life is a yeah. of emotions. Yeah, and actually, this is was the thought uh, that made me deal with my cats that
2: mm-hmm.
1: pretty okay i think because when i was suffering i i was suffering like i was suffering i was crying crying ugly right <laughs> and i just let myself feel it and then when the f- feeling went go-, go away went away it went away yeah you know, <laughs> oh that's beautiful
0: <laughs> yeah you have to like you have to realize that if you're not if you're beating yourself up because you're not happy all of the time and you're like, oh, I, I'm not happy all the time, I must not be doing happiness right. That's not how it exactly. works. Exactly, like, exactly. It's and I think it's, it's helpful um, if you try to rephrase it for yourself Of instead of saying, I want to be happy. Instead of be, using the word choose is better. Like, mm-hmm. I want to choose happy. Got it. Mm-hmm. So you see it as more of a, an active thing that you participate in instead of just something that happens to you. Mm-hmm. You're not passive in it. It's something that you do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to re-choose it all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's not I want to be happy. It's I want to choose happy.
1: You know that especially when I was starting thinking about those things, but I still feel that to this day sometimes, when I, we you know when you're like, when you're at the brink of changing your mood, mm-hmm. so like you're not feeling well, especially you, like you have a, like an experience with meditation and stuff, like you, you know that you can change your mood, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes at the brink, when I'm about to change the mood, the feeling is that this is a crime, this is so wrong, this is, you know? Like being happy is so wrong mm-hmm. and and I realized that to be able to be happy it, it's a weird thing that what I'm gonna say, but but I think it makes sense I don't know, but to be happy like you have to be very brave, you have to be a fucking badass yeah. because you have to all of those voices in your head for years which are the voices of people who criticized you from your you know that are in your mind, you have to give like a middle finger yeah, yeah, yeah. out of oh, you, yeah. yeah, but we listen to those people for a reason, it's not easy to do this mm-hmm. to this voice, you know, it's, it's especially because we internalized it too, mm-hmm. so we also give the middle finger to something inside of us, you know, I read this analogy and
0: I've been, that I found really helpful of like, you can think of it like, when you're born, you're given a garden, so you're given this little plot of soil, And for the first few years of your life, your parents and the people in your life are the people who plant stuff in the garden and take care of the garden because you don't know how Mm -hmm. to yet. And then when you're old enough, you start taking care of the garden on your own, but you didn't choose what was planted in the garden. Like your parents planted stuff that they had in their garden or, you know, that they got from somebody else's garden. And so you just got all of these plants in your own personal garden that you didn't even put there. And then it's Mm -hmm. your job in adulthood to be like, oh, I don't want this weed in my garden. I don't Mm -hmm. want this thing in my garden. And Mm -hmm. then slowly work on planting and growing the things that you actually want to have.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a a learning. It's a learning life. I don't know. (laughs) Practicing. And that's
0: like what we're here to do, I think. It's just yeah. that's what we're here to do is to learn and to grow and to realize that, like, if you're, I don't know, this is gonna sound really hippy dippy of me, but like, what podcast are you listening to <laughs> now? <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide that you're allowed to be happy, that's not gonna work. Like, mm-hmm. everything already is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, Not and everything already is beautiful. Love already is everywhere, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, Not everything in your life is going to be pleasant. Of course, you're never going to cross a line where now nothing hurts me and everything is great all the time, and I never feel any negative emotions. That like that's just not a human life. So if you want to do that, then like maybe you should have been born something else. Because (laughs) because that's not how humans are built. So, like, you will experience suffering, and that's fine. But, like, Mm -hmm. that's all part of
1: it, and it's all beautiful. Yeah. True. All beautiful. I saw uh, this documentary uh, about David Lynch. David Lynch, Mm -hmm. the the film director, and it was like a biography, a documentary about his life. Mm And the way, the way he sees, like, the way he sees beauty in things that we consider ugly. Yes. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's a
0: very, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, David Lynch is a perfect example of that, of, like, all of the things that, that he finds beauty in are things that are, like, painful or, and ugly. And And, ugly,
1: and, yeah. Yeah yeah and he it so it was so interesting because when he was talking about his childhood and his past life uh there were some incidents that we would say oh that that must be difficult mm-hmm. but the way he said it like he had forgiven everything there were no like hard feelings attached yeah that was so beautiful to see I love the documentary. I recommend <laughs> I will
0: absolutely watch it.
1: I don't remember the name, though. I think it's on Crave. Okay. I'll yeah. look it
0: up. If, if there's more than one documentary about David Lynch's life, I'll watch them all. Yeah, <laughs> watch them all. <laughs> We're coming to the end of our time here, but uh, we end by me giving the guest a genuine compliment.
1: Oh. How do you,
0: you deal with compliments?
1: I deal uh, good today? Yeah. Good.
0: Good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Some people are make it makes them very squeamish. Um, or like they can't even
1: look at me while I say this. So, I used to
0: be like that, but then I learned. That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> that's what this is all about. Um my compliment for you. Um, oh my god, you're you're Carol Zoccoli, you're <laughs> you're human fireworks. Like <laughs> You are just such a, a strong and powerful and also sensitive person. Uh, like, you're, you are this like beautiful melding of like a, like, i want gonna say like almost like a machismo, like you've got like, like a real <laughs> powerful nature about you and like, uh like uh, not quite authoritative but you know but like i feel like when you speak people shut the fuck up and listen to you (laughs) you also have like this beautiful heart and like connecting and caring nature about you that you combine with this power and it's this really dynamic thing as a person because you don't you don't often find those together and uh, so i feel like you are this really like <laughs> you you could be like this really powerful like feminist icon in that way because <laughs> you are so <laughs> you just you're just so incredible that way you're also absolutely hilarious as a person and <laughs> and as a comedian obviously but i think like uh a lot of comedians are a very different person on stage than they are off stage, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, we turn a a certain thing on when we're on stage and we flip that switch off when we're off stage. And uh, you are definitely one of those comedians that's equally hilarious off stage. (laughs)
3: Uh,
0: You are so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true that you walk down the aisle to all I do is win?
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, that was so funny. Like I didn't. That's, that's the most. That I feel like that
0: perfectly encapsulates who you are, Carol. <laughs> I really, exactly. Don't. That was it. But yeah, I think you're beautiful and spectacular, and I mm-hmm. admire and look up to you so much.
1: Oh my God, Trish. Thank you so much. Thank you're you awesome. for the kind words. Thank you for having me on our podcast.
0: Thank you for being here. And to our listeners, go be nice to yourself. And remember that love is everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs)